And that's what Romans 12, 1 through 8 is teaching us, is how we are to serve and how we are to use our gifts inside the church, inside the body of Christ. And that when one person, one individual in the church is not serving, then the body as a whole suffers. And so service, I, I want to emphasize this over and over, service in the church is not optional. And we have to talk about service first before we talk about gifts, because the point of the gift is to serve. And if we get that backwards, if you start thinking about what's my gift, what am I supposed to be doing, then it might sort of lock you up and not free you to the service that you should do. First seek to serve, and then your gifts will follow. If you don't, then we will not serve in the church, and, we, and the church as a whole will suffer. You will suffer as an individual because your worship won't be the same, because we find our greatest pleasure in the Lord as we serve others, as He works through us to minister to the body of Christ. And also the body of Christ will suffer as a whole because your function is not working. Here in Romans 12, 1 through 8, there's so much good stuff here. But I promise we're going to get out at least by lunch. But we're going to say, the first of all, before we begin any service, before you think about serving the body of Christ, we must first present ourselves to the Lord. We present ourselves first to the Lord, then we will be able to love and serve our neighbor as we ought. We love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and when we, then we love our neighbor as ourselves, or as Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. So as we look to God and as we approach the Lord, our love for all things grows. So present yourself first to the Lord. Paul says here, as a living sacrifice, present yourself to the Lord. I'm reminded in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's one of the neatest passages. Well, I think that of all the passages, so whatever. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, little Samuel is serving in the temple. He's being raised by Eli. Remember that? And he's asleep one night, and he hears someone calling to him. And three times he goes to Eli, and he's like, here I am. And Eli keeps saying, okay, I, I did not call you. I'm asleep. Go back to bed, <laughs> right? And the third time, Eli goes, wait a minute. He said, it's the Lord calling me. Present yourself to him and say, here I am. Your servant hears. That's what we're called to do. Present ourselves to the Lord. You're not going to have an audible voice calling to you from the temple like Samuel did, but this very morning, the Lord calls to you, speaking to you to serve his body, his people, and his children. And so what you are to do this morning, we can stop the sermon right now if we would all do it. Present yourself to the Lord and say, here am I, your servant. I hear you. What will you do? Now, for Samuel, it was a little bit awkward because he goes in there to listen to the Lord, and the Lord tells him something. He says, look, I'm about to judge the house of Eli. His children will not stand for me, before me ever again because he didn't rebuke his sons. And no matter what sacrifice he offers, it will not stop my judgment. And the Bible says the next morning he gets up and he's opening up the temple, and Eli comes in there and he says, what did the Lord tell you? May he do to you and worse if you withhold anything from what the Lord has said. So here was the man who raised him, asking him to say, what did the Lord say to you? And don't leave anything out. And Samuel's first job as a boy was to say, the Lord told me he's about to judge your family, he's going to kill your boys, and you'll have no one ever to serve before him again. That was his job. But what I also want to point out to you, that was his gift. So his gift was prophecy. He was a prophet of the Lord and a judge in Israel. But what really did Samuel do? 
He didn't have to conjure up a message. He didn't have to think about, you know, how can I break this news to Eli? I mean, that may be the only thing he did, but the Lord literally told him exactly what to do. And he was called a prophet, not because he dreamed up in his own mind the words of the Lord, but the Lord literally gave him what to say. All he had to do was say it. Now, your gifting, a lot of times we think of these gifts as like some sort of mystical thing that we've got to get in tune to do. God has called you from the moment you were born to do what you're going to do. You've always had these gifts. Even when you were lost, you just weren't using them obediently. Yes, we're filled with the Spirit, the gift of God Himself. He is given to us. We are sealed by Him when we are saved. We didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do after we're saved. But even when we were breathing before we were saved, it was a gift of God. He's made you, just like He told Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart to be, a, to be a voice, a prophet to the nations. He didn't know that when he was 11 years old. He was God's chosen vessel that would be reading his words all these thousand years later. God had prepared him for it his whole life. He's preparing you too. So don't think of your gift as some sort of just like superpower for you that's come upon you now that you're saved. It may be something that God has set you apart for. Before you were ever born, he knew what you would be doing. And again, my advice to you is like Eli's advice to Samuel. Present yourself to the Lord. That's what Paul says here. Present yourself to the Lord every day. Here, my Lord, send me. Here, my Lord, use me. And remember, this is very important. He says here, therefore, brothers and sisters, in verse 1, in view of the mercies of God. That's how we present ourselves. For church. When you present yourself to the Lord, remember the great mercy He's had on you. Always remember the mercy He's had on you and remember that He is willing and always ready to extend that mercy to others. That's how we continue, by the mercies of God. And I love here how it talks about in verse 8 when it talks about showing mercy with cheerfulness. I'm about to get ahead of myself, but I can't, I can't wait. What does it mean to be merciful first? Merciful means when someone has done a wrong to you and others and you overlook and forgive it. And we think of forgiving our enemies, perhaps you think about forgiving your enemies, showing mercy to others who've done wrong and you have a little bit of anger there. Or this is very difficult. But the Bible says those who show mercy with cheerfulness. Because that's the picture of our God. He does not forgive us begrudgingly. It is with joy and cheerfulness that he extends grace. It's beautiful. Present yourselves to the Lord and he will have mercy on you and he will have mercy on others through you. For the Spirit of God will work through you to minister to others. Paul gives us a warning here. It would have a warning that Eli and his sons would have done well to heed. Our gifts should not lead us to pride. Our service should not lead us to pride. Paul says here in verse 3 that I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Before Paul really talks about the gifts of service, he talks about humility. We are living sacrifices. All that you have, all that I have, everything you have, was given to you by God. You did not conjure yourself into being. 
You do not give yourselves the IQ that you have. You do not give yourselves the athletic ability that you have. Whatever you have, even your own money that you earn, is a gift from God. Because if he had not given you all the tools you needed to make it, you never would have made a dime. And if he hadn't blessed the work of your hands, you wouldn't even have a job or a business. Everything we have comes from the Lord. Should I boast that I can preach, however good that is? Let the prophets judge. It's a gift that the Lord gave to me, like Samuel. Go tell them this. Preach his word, and the Lord will bless it. It's not me. It's the Lord. And I don't say that with any sort of false humility. I hope there's always pride we have to be aware of. But our gifts, everything we do is from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, Well, who makes you so superior? What do you have that you did not receive? If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you haven't received it? So when we serve and, and whatever gift God gives you as you grow in faith and your service multiplies and becomes manifest, remember it's not you, it is the Lord who works through you. Consider always everyone more honorable than yourselves. Consider everyone above yourself. Remember our Lord just before he was betrayed. Washes feet like a servant. And he says, servant's not above the master. I've washed your feet. How are we supposed to serve? How are we supposed to live? As those who walk in humility and understand that we have been given gifts. And I want to be careful here. I, I don't know that a lot of us are really puffed up with pride because of how great we do at serving the church. I don't know, maybe. I know that that happens. You've got to be aware of it. But I also want to talk to you a moment about your measure of faith. He says that we shouldn't think more highly about ourselves than we should. Instead, verse 3, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Paul says that you've been given a measure of faith. How much faith were you given? How much you got? Well, the good news is you probably don't know the answer to that, and that's fine. Jesus says it doesn't take much. How much can we do with a mustard seed of faith? You can say to a mountain, get out of the way, and it will move. That's a mustard seed faith. Now, I don't know how big great faith is, but at least you have a mustard seed. And so, therefore, you can move mountains in Jesus' name. It doesn't take much. Walk in what you got and see how the Lord will bless it. No, I don't know that if a lot of us are taking pride in how much we serve, you may be sitting there in doubt thinking I'm doing nothing. What, what am I doing? I'm, I'm inadequate at everything. I don't know anything. I don't know the scripture. I don't know how to serve. I'm afraid to talk to others. You're a bunch of Moses people. I can't lead this people. I can't even talk. The Lord said, look here. Stick your hand in your jacket. I gave you leprosy. Stick it in again. Oh, it's gone. Throw your stick down. It turned into a snake. Pick it up. It's a stick again. And he says, I still can't go. And the Lord goes, okay, look, I'll send Aaron with you. But you're going. <laughs> you Moses. You think he's a hero. 
He couldn't figure out even how to organize Israel. I love that. Don't miss these things. Moses' father-in-law comes to him and says, Moses, man, you're going to wear... This, this is if he was from Sand Mountain, okay? This is the Brad Williams Sand Mountain version. He comes to him and says, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out, son. You can't be judging this great people all by yourself. Pick out some other people that's got sense and set them over tens and fifties and hundreds and let them go to them first. And if they can't solve it, then they come to you or you ain't going to make it, man. Moses said, all right, and he did it. See, if his father-in-law, Jethro, hadn't come in and saved the day, what would have become of Moses? Moses thought he couldn't do it, and he couldn't. And the whole point of his meeting on the mountain was, Moses, I know you, I made your mouth. Did I not make the mouth of man? What are you telling me you can't speak for? Moses, I know you can't do it. Listen to me. I'm going with you. I am going with you. Do you understand me? You don't have the power to do leprosy, turn the Nile into blood, make fleas jump on people as thick as dust. You can't make frogs fall from the sky, brother. I'm going with you. I can do anything. He says, word to us, quit fretting that you can't do anything. You are an encouragement. You are part of the body. Serve. You have a measure of faith, and even if it's small, you can move mountains. What are you thinking you can't do anything for the kingdom of God or this church? What are you thinking? Look in the book of Joshua in the first chapter. How many times they tell Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. You don't need much faith, just a little of each. And the Lord Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, did he not tell us that, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age? I'm with you. Go and do. If you feel like you don't have any measure of faith, if you feel like you're having no impact in the kingdom, you've got no place of service, you don't know how you're plugged in, you don't know what you're doing, then here's what you can do. I'm, I mean this. Come ask. I'm not going to stick you in the nursery or something, probably. But I love every single one of you. And I see great things. There's not a person in this room, and I mean this, that is not awesome. You don't know the impact you're having in my life and the life of others. Do not believe for a second that you are not an integral part of this church or the lives of those who sit around you. Every one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, come ask me. If you can't ask me, go ask one of the elders. We talk about you. <laughs> we got big hopes for you, big dreams. Every Wednesday night, nearly, we get together. We talk about you. We say, there's so many things we can do. In a little bit, we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to open up these this altar here, these steps. The elders are going to come down here and pray. If you don't know what you're doing, just come grab one of them and say, hey, pray with me. I want to serve. I don't have a clue what to do or which way to go. They'll pray with you and for you. We'll figure it out for you. We're not going to tell you what to do. We'll let the Lord lead you into what to do. We might guide you.
Don't be ashamed. Ask yourself, what can I do to serve the Lord in heaven? My, my, my life might make a difference in the kingdom. Be a little mustard seed faith. What can you do? The gifts that you have been given, the service which you have been given is for the health of the kingdom of God. Prophecy, he says. What is prophecy? He says it's to be used according to the proportion of one's faith. I think simply in the New Testament time that prophecy is preaching this word. Preach the word of the Lord. Teach it. You will receive the prophet's reward. In fact, you don't even have to be a prophet to receive a prophet's reward. Did you know that? All you have to do is give a cup of cold water to someone who serves the Lord. You receive the prophet's reward. Teachers. And I love it that Paul keeps it kind of simple. He says, if your gift is service, use it in service. <laughs> that seems pretty easy. What is mystical about service? Just get in there and serve. The Lord will work through you to help others. If you are an encourager, he says, go encourage people. Giving with generosity. How do you have the gift of giving? Well, first of all, God's had to give you something. God's giving you a bunch of money? Give a bunch of money away. Wisely. But do it with generosity, the Bible says. It's a spiritual gift to, be, to have things that you can give away. It's from the Lord. If you lead, do it with diligence. Don't grow weary in your leading, Brad Williams. <laughs> do it. I like uh, Kevin's translation. It says with zeal. Mine says diligence. Zeal sounds better. <laughs> do it with all of your might. Help people with joy. We could use some merciful people. Did you know that you can get tired of being merciful? You can get tired of... Every single one of these gifts, you can be tired. I'm thinking again of Moses. Remember, Israel got in a fight. I can't even remember who it was with. Maybe the Ammonites or somebody. And as long as he held his staff up in the air, the, the children of Israel were winning. You remember that? And what happened? <laughs> he got tired. You ever tried to hold a stick over your head for a long time? He was an old man. 80 plus. He got tired and he started dropping his stick. And every time he'd lower his arms, his buddies were getting beat up and killed. That's a lot of pressure. What would happen to Israel when Moses grew weary? It's a beautiful picture. What happens? Well, Joshua and Aaron come up and they hold his arms up for him so that Israel won't lose. That's the picture of the body of Christ, is it not? When one of us grows weary, the rest comes to shoulder the load. We prayed that this morning for Christy Johnson. Who will help him in his time of mourning? He will be with his family now. We need to help each other, serve one another, hold up one another's arms when we grow weary. Because we'll all get tired. We're just human beings. Even our Lord grew weary, did he not? He said... I'm weary unto death. Stay here and pray with me, would you? Now, they failed him spectacularly, but we saw that he wanted and coveted their help. 
Well, Jesus needed it. Well, so do we. We are all part of the same body. If I ask you this morning, which part of your body would you like to be rid of, there is probably the answer is, well, I'd prefer to keep them all if you don't mind. And some of your body parts are working today. You don't even know they're working. You'll find out whenever they quit. You'll know. You never think about your poor old gallbladder till it stops working on you. And then you think about it all the time. Don't think much about your kidneys till you get a stone in it. Then you seriously think about it all the time. One part of the body. You think, I'm out of sight, I don't matter. You do matter. Because when you go wrong, we all feel it. Every one of us. You are a gift to this church. Not only are you gifted, you are a gift. And I'm grateful for you. And it's my prayer as we look at service and spiritual gifts and offering ourselves as living sacrifices and thinking about how we can serve that God will move in your heart and you will understand that you are gifted, you are able, and that when you serve, it makes a difference. Even just being here this morning makes a difference. It is encouragement to the body. So don't think of yourself just as a part of the body universal. You are. That's true. But you're a part of this body local. And what you do here matters. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we go to a time of prayer, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to focus on you and to ask you, Lord, how we ought to serve. And one of the ways we can serve is through prayer. So, Father, I pray that you will be with us this morning. I pray that you will help us to pray, intercede on our behalf, Lord, when we don't even know what to say. I pray you will begin working in the people here of your church, those who already serve. If they've grown weary, Lord, I pray that you will give them strength and encouragement to, to continue. And for those who are sort of awakening and, and maybe feel frustrated or don't understand how they're serving or what they're doing or what they've done matters, I pray, Lord, first that they won't fall into the trap of pride of thinking themselves more than that, thinking of themselves more than they ought, but also at the same time not fall into the trap of thinking that they're not worth anything, that they're worthless. Lord, please help them, point them in the direction to serve, and help our mustard seed faith to move mountains. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.